Welcome to Winning in Prayer. I am Pastor Daryl. So glad to be with you again. Listen, before we begin, I want to remind you that you can catch the Winning in Prayer broadcast every Monday night, 10.30 p.m. on the Daily Gospel Network. Again, every Monday night, 10.30 p.m., you can catch the Winning in Prayer broadcast on the Daily Gospel Network. I also want to remind you about our a podcast which you can catch on Anchor, uh, Google Podcast, as well as Apple and several other sites. Listen, I want to remind those of you that are watching to uh, like, share, and comment. It really helps us to increase the reach of the broadcast. Uh, it's your liking, uh, your sharing, your comment. It helps us to trigger the Facebook algorithm. I know you heard it. Uh, on other people's broadcasts. So, listen, we want you to help us to increase the reach of our broadcast. Of our broadcast. So, please like, share, uh, and most importantly, comment so that we can increase our reach. So, listen, we're going to get right to it on today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Gethsemane from uh, Matthew, the 26th chapter. Now, I know these are probably some familiar scriptures, but uh, I don't want to take it lightly that you uh, know them. So I want to point out a few things uh, in these verses. Uh, Matthew 26 at the 36th verse. Uh, we're going to read down through the 39th verse. You want to see that there's some separation going on here. It says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto uh, the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So as you see, he arrives in Gethsemane, leaves his disciples, takes uh, Peter, James, and John a little further uh, with him, leaves them there, and then he goes a little further and begins to pray. So there's some separation going on here, but there's purpose attached to the separation. And so what we see here is that there, there's levels to this. Listen, uh, everybody can't see you in this private moment. You know, this private moment of you exchanging your will for his will. You see, he, 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 he takes his disciples, he leaves them, and he goes further to pray. Everybody can't go all the way with you they can't see you in the most private moment of exchanging your will for his. Listen, this moment of Gethsemane, everyone has to go there. It's not a pretty moment. It's a moment of where you will do one of the most, I think one of the most greatest things that you and I will ever do where we exchange our will for his will. And so this is what's going on here. We know that after this, Jesus is going to the cross. Uh, 
But it's so important that we stop here because we have to exchange our will for his will. Look here, look here. This private moment of you exchanging your will for his is a moment that, like I said, everyone can go. You may ask why. Well, because it's your, it's your moment. It's your moment to do the most important thing that you'll ever do. Listen, one of the things I want you to pay attention to is here, you have to die privately before you can ever die publicly. Let me say that to you again. You have to die privately before you'll ever die publicly. But for we, we, well, far too often, we have it in reverse where we want to die publicly and we've never di died privately. And I believe this is why we make such a mess of things uh, because we're, we're trying to die publicly before dying privately. You know, without Gethsemane, there wouldn't be a cross. Without Gethsemane, there wouldn't be a cross. Now, I know that's strange, that's strong language, but without Gethsemane, there wouldn't be a cross. This is Jesus coming to terms with his purpose. This is Jesus uh, at that moment that we all have to come to and decide that we want him more than we want what we want. Glory to God. God has purpose for every one of our lives. But the only way we get to that purpose is to decide that I'm going to exchange my will for your will. It's here he here. You hear him saying this here. He said, not my will, but it's thy will. And far too often, again, I want you to understand, we want to die publicly and we haven't died privately. This is why we you see. Uh, those that named the name of Christ were angry, uh, you know, were popping off, even cussing folks out, uh, were sexually undisciplined, uh, were anti-authority, anti-accountability, uh, because we haven't done the work uh, that's necessary privately. And so publicly, we're a mess. Our flesh is alive more after we say we've given our lives to God than it was even before coming to God. Second Corinthians says that all things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. You need to allow the newness that Christ, the newness that the new birth is supposed to provide for an individual's life, you need to allow that to show up in the whole of your life. You need to allow the newness of God to show up in the entirety of your life. It's not just for us to jump and shout and speak in tongues. You need to allow the Holy Ghost to show up in the entirety of your life. And then there's some work that we have to do privately so that we can have public victory. But again, far too often, we won't have the public victory but we haven't done the work that's necessary to have the public victory. We haven't done that work privately. And so again, I want you to see, we're, we're angry, 
we're, we're undisciplined, we're out of control, we're popping off, we, we're not uh, accountable to anyone, we, we don't respect authority, we don't want to listen to our boss or our supervisor, all because we haven't done what's necessary privately to have that victory publicly. And again, we're undisciplined, and that's not supposed to be the the makeup of those that name the name of Christ. We are supposed to have public victory, but we are supposed to do what's necessary privately. And it's going to take for us to say, to make up our mind or to come to uh, that decision of saying, I'll exchange my will for your will. Not my will, but thou wilt, Lord. Not what I want any longer, but what you want. Not what I desire, but what you desire. Not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. Again, we have to do what's necessary privately to have those public victories. And so I want you to see down at the 39th verse through the 45th verse, Christ prays three times, three times. And the Bible lets us know that he was saying the same thing. And if you read down through there, there's no deviating. He prays the same thing. Listen, I want to encourage you. If it takes you to continue going to God, over and over and over and saying the same thing to get victory in the area of anger, uh, to become sexually disciplined, to become disciplined in your character, to become disciplined in your commitment, to become disciplined uh, in your accountability, to become uh, uh, disciplined where you can accept authority, to become disciplined to where you're not popping off in public at the mall, uh, going through the through the uh, drive-through line where uh, you're not you're not just out of control. If it takes praying over and over, saying the same thing, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to think because you're saying the same thing that that saying the same thing doesn't have any any traction. If saying the same thing is going to lead you to having the victory privately so that you can have that victory publicly, I want to encourage you to continue saying the same thing. The Bible lets us know that he prayed three times saying the same thing. I want to encourage you on this morning. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't let the devil cause you to think that your prayer is not important enough. If you have to say the same thing, say the same thing. Get that private victory so that you can have the public victory. A lot of us are on our crosses publicly, and we're but we've never done the work privately. And when you don't do the work privately, you won't have the victory that you should have publicly. Our public victories, they're marred uh, with with us uh, not looking the part, not being the part, but we are supposed to look the part, be the part, do the part, so that our public victory is is that of Christ. 
it ought to point to Christ, nothing else. Not us falling and, and, and uh, you know, not out of control, because if we do what's necessary privately, our victory publicly will look as it should to the unbeliever, to the world, and it won't, it won't give a mixed signal. Our victory should be of Christ and nothing else. So listen, I wanna encourage you again, do the work privately so that your public victory looks as it should. Let's not put the public before the private. And so the Bible again says that he prayed three times. You know, it's 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 the same the same thing that leads to our victory. It's saying the same thing that even leads to the death of us. It's it's what we do uh, privately again. At the 39th verse, again through the 45th verse, same verses. He prayed three times, but then he also found the disciples asleep three times. And it is amazing to me that we can sleep through moments of purpose, but it wasn't their moment. It was his moment. Listen, when you know that you're uh, approaching a moment of purpose, maybe you feel like, you know, certain people aren't supportive enough. Uh, maybe they haven't rallied around you as you think they should. I want you to keep in mind, it's not their moment, it's your moment. And so yes, yes, when you read the scripture, when you study it, you say, how in the world can they, could they have fallen asleep at a moment like this? It wasn't their moment. This was his moment. You're gonna have your moment. And if they're not supportive, and if they're not rallying around you as they think, as you think they should, you go on and go to your moment because again, it's your moment. It's it's your moment. You know, this shows a stark difference. It shows a stark contrast between Jesus and the disciples. It shows uh, what being flesh led looks like, being sleep at a moment of purpose. And it shows what being spirit led looks like. The Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Here, even Jesus, even though Jesus is being stretched and uh, pulled in ways that he hasn't been before, he's still being led by the spirit. And so this is why you have to come to this decision of his will over my will. And again, you know, it, it, yes, it's, it's amazing how some people can sleep through uh, moments of purpose, but you, you, you'll only sleep through moments of purpose when it's not your moment. But when it's your moment, when it's your moment, you have to go through even without uh, support. You have to go through without fanfare. You have to go through this by yourself because listen, no one's going to sin before God, but you. So without without support, without the fanfare, without the, the rah-rah, go through your moment of purpose as hard as it gets, as dark as it gets, 
uh, a lot of times we feel isolated and alone, but again, it's not anyone else's moment. It's your moment. It's your moment. You know, when I went through uh, my time of testing where I felt like my prayer life wasn't wasn't working, uh, yes, I felt alone. I felt uh, very, I, I very isolated. Uh, I felt like uh, it it was uh, uh, it was it was being alone at a whole nother level. And so I had to come to that point of deciding that one of the, the most important things I've ever done is to decide that it was his will over my will. I had to decide that I wanted him more than I even wanted my situation to change. I wanted him more than I wanted uh, him to even uh, change my situation. Bottom line was I wanted him and that was it. And so everybody has to go through uh, Gethsemane to get to the cross. Everybody has to make a decision that his will over my will, his will over me wanting what I want, over my desire, over being delivered, over my situation being changed, as long as I got him, that's what's most important. And see, Gethsemane is going to show up in everybody's life. It may show up a little different, but everybody has a, a Gethsemane to go to, go to and through. It's a moment of reckoning. It's a moment of, of, of deciding, am I going to fulfill my purpose? Or am I going to, or am I going to keep, uh, continue kicking and screaming uh, instead of going ahead and fulfilling my purpose so that I can have the public victory that all of us that name the name of Christ are supposed to have? I want to point out to you in Luke 22, 41 to 44, let's go there and then I want, I want to read that. Luke 22, 41. Luke 22, 41. It says, I want to remind you that he prayed three times in Matthew uh, part. It says that he prayed, prayed three times. Now here in Luke it says, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The 43rd verse is what I want you to pay attention to. It says, again, this is after he prayed the first time. It says, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. This is after the first time he prayed. It says, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now the Bible tells us that he prayed three times, saying, not my will, but your will. But after this first time here, it lets us know after the first time that an angel appeared strengthening him. I want you to pay attention to the 44th verse. It says, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now, most of the time we pray for strength, but it's for it's 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 for uh, strength to get up and get out. It's for strength uh, uh, not to continue, but strength uh, to alleviate the pain and the strain of what we're going to. I want I want you to clearly see what's going on here. After the first time he prayed, an angel comes strengthening him, which lets me know that 
your your Gethsemane moment is going to require strength that you don't have on your own. And then the Bible says that he began to pray more intensely, and it was that uh, drops of blood falling to the ground. When you receive the strength of God that you're praying for, what are you going to do with it? Are you just going to continue as usual? Are you going to use it as uh, a something to, to numb the pain and the strain of what you're going through? Or are you going to use the strength that God gives to pray more intense, to pray at another level, uh, to pray at another level so that you can have that private uh, uh, victory? So that you can have the public victory. We want strength, but it's not for strength to fulfill our purpose. We want to alleviate the pain. We want to alleviate the weight of the moment. We want to uh, alleviate the feelings of, of going through uh, the process of death. Uh, we want to alleviate the, the, the pain and the isolation of the moment it's not for strength to go through to fulfill but it's we take god's strength and we use it to avoid or we use it to continue the same old same old and our focus after we receive strength most often it isn't the cross but it's just to alleviate what we're going through if we're going to be everything that god has for us to us to be there are going to be times that we need to be strengthened, but we need to use the strength that God gives to pray at another level, to pray with more uh, intent, to pray with more seriousness, to pray that we can fulfill our purpose. It's praying at another level. It's, it's, it's praying and, and fulfilling the purpose of God. What do you want to do with the strength that God gives you? Are you going to fulfill your moment of purpose? Or are you going to continue kicking and screaming? Are you going to take the strength that God gives and use it so that you can have victory uh, publicly? Are you going to kick and continue kicking and screaming? Or are you going to remain angry and undisciplined? Are you going to remain uh, without uh, having your character, your commitment, refined God has strength for all of us but what are you going to do with the strength that God has what are you going to do with it I love this here because it says and being in agony he prayed more earnestly that's praying uh, more with more seriousness uh, praying more intensely and the Bible says that his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling to the ground. This means he was going through, he was going through at another level, but he was also praying at another level. And this is what Gethsemane is all about. It's you going to another level, but you cannot, your prayer life can't stay where it was before you got to Gethsemane. You got to turn, turn the level up. Gethsemane is going to take, require you to go to another level in prayer. 
uh, praying uh, a lot more serious, praying more intensely. Listen, when Jesus was going through his Gethsemane moment, him coming out of that was going to affect the world. You're going to Gethsemane through Gethsemane. There's people that's dependent upon it. It's going to affect those that know you. It's going to affect family members, friends, co-workers. So it's important. It's not just about you. The Bible lets us know that if a seed uh, doesn't uh, fall in the ground, uh, that seed doesn't die, it's not going to produce the possibility that it has on the inside. And so all of us have this ability, this uh, potential, but we'll never get to it without getting to Gethsemane and going through Gethsemane. Again, we have to do what's private to have the public victory. I want you to understand that as he was strengthened, he prayed more intensely. And I want, and the question again is, what do you want to do after you're strengthened? You know, most of the time we want to get up and out. Uh, we just want to alleviate the pain. But if you're going to be strengthened, you need to use the strength of God to fulfill the purpose of God. I want to, I want to point out something to you. You know, in a moment of purpose, Peter denied Christ. In Luke 22, 61, it says that after uh, Peter's denial, and this is the only place in the Bible that you'll find, it's Luke 22, 61. You know the whole story where, where Peter uh, denied Christ, where, where Christ told, where he made a confession, that I'll go with you, I'll die with you, I won't leave you. But at the 22nd, verse, 22nd chapter of Luke, in the 61st verse, it says that after Peter denied Christ, that he turned and looked upon him. Now, I don't believe that this uh, was a look of disgust or disappointment because after all, Christ told him that he was going to deny him. But I believe that the look was a look of love and a look to say, I see you even when you fall. It was a look to say, that I love you even though you have fallen. Oh. And that I see you no matter what. And at the 22nd verse and the 33rd verse, Peter makes a confession without having the character and without having the commitment necessary to fulfill that confession. The Holy Ghost comes to help our character, the Holy Ghost comes to help our commitment, and then prayer shapes that character. Prayer shapes that commitment. You know, how many times have you made a confession knowing that you didn't have the character or the commitment to fulfill that confession? And this is what Gethsemane is all about, that your character, your commitment, prayer, Prayer is the vehicle that shapes your character. Prayer is the vehicle that shapes your commitment. 
without going through Gethsemane, there's never going to be a cross. And so I want to point out something to you. Uh, in John, the 21st chapter, 15 through 19, we know that Peter denied Christ uh, three times. Then he also declares his love for Christ three times. And, and so much so that the Bible says that uh, when Jesus asked him if he loved me, when he got to it the third time, he said, listen, you know all things. You knew uh, that when I was making the confession before that I was lying, that I didn't have the necessary character or the commitment to keep that confession. And if you knew that then, you know now beyond a shadow of a doubt that I love and so this is what we want to come to we want we want to come to a point where that part is settled where, where that question doesn't even have to be asked do you love me are you committed you can say Lord you know all things you know what I used to be but you know what I am for sure now you know I was going to deny you and you know that I love you now you know, without, again, you know, without Gethsemane, there's never going to be a cross. Without uh, dying privately, there's never going to be a public uh, victory. And I want to encourage you, stop trying to be something publicly that you aren't privately. Because it, it doesn't look good and it sends the wrong message. And so listen, I want to encourage you. Again, we have to go through Gethsemane. We have to have the necessary character. We have to have the necessary commitment. But we don't get there without going through Gethsemane. And I want you to understand, when, he, when Christ was going through Gethsemane, he knew that the end result was going to be the cross. And that what he was going to do was going to affect the world. And so as you go through your Gethsemane, as you do what's necessary privately to have the public victory, it's going to affect, again, your family, your friends, and coworkers. Fulfill your moment of purpose so that others can benefit from it. Listen, I'm Pastor Darrell. I've enjoyed this time with you. I love you with the love of the Lord. I'll see you next time. And until next time, you keep winning in prayer. I'll see you next time.